All right, we are beginning a new series today called Open Doors, and we are very excited about this series because the door is a metaphor that's used throughout the Bible to talk about our relationship with God, our relationship with each other, and really who we are. Are we people who are kind and hospitable? And the reality is that doors are very meaningful. Doors are meaningful symbols. In fact, each door tells a little bit of a story. So you tell me what story is behind this door here. What does that door communicate? It's open, it's peaceful, welcome in. There are other kinds of doors, like this castle door, which means we are about protection, right? Protection. There's this door. It's a prison door. People are trapped and nobody's getting out of this thing. Then there's this gate, real fun, right? There's no way you're getting in, no way you're getting out. We are watching you. We're watching your every move. Then there's this door. That's a scary door. That's a horror movie door, right? Stay away. Then there's this door. It's a palace door, Buckingham Palace. If you're not royal blood or a royal servant, you ain't getting in. Then there's this door. It is old, unkept, uncared for. Nothing valuable is in that door. Stay away. And there's this door. It's the old cathedrals. Beautiful buildings, but in order to get to this big, mighty God, you have to walk through a very narrow, shut door. And there's this door. It's a home. It's a normal, inviting, well-kept home, and the door is open. And this is the kind of life we want to live. We want to live a life that is hospitable and welcoming. And a life that's hospitable and welcoming really begins with an understanding of, of God and the door to God. What kind of door is that? I just got back from Texas, and there is one door that is the most famous in Texas. It's not the Alamo, it's this, the door to Bucky's. I'm tell, every time I go to Texas, it's an adventure to go to Bucky's. I am in awe. It's the eighth wonder of the world. It's incredible. 120 gas pumps, 120 gas pumps. A car wash is more of a carnival than a car wash. The convenience store, no joke, no hyperbole, no exaggeration, is bigger than a football field. You walk into the store, it's incredible. They have everything. They have this soft drink bar, any kind of soft drink you want. And it's perfectly detailed and perfectly clean. A large soft drink is 79 cents. I mean, that's a miracle. There's a coffee bar. The coffee bar is immaculate. Anything you want is there. So you get your coffee, dozens of choices. Then you go to the bar part. And usually the bar part at any coffee joint is kind of a mess, kind of a wreck. Uh, a little bit unkept, and then I, I always get frustrated at the littlest things. The stirrer is here, but the lids are there. The napkins are across the aisle. Just, uh, this is perfectly organized, absolutely perfectly organized. Then there's the restrooms. They call their restrooms the world's best restrooms. Ladies, can I get a witness? I didn't take this picture. That'd be creepy, by the way. <laughs> Green lights, you know what the red light means. Yeah, so just <laughs> there's business going on. Every one of these 83, 83 stalls is immaculately clean. It's like a hotel room. There's a beef jerky wall, a wall of beef jerky. And I want to show you the actual gas prices at Bucky's. You ready? For real. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, it's just, it's a crime how much we pay for gas around here. It's just incredible. But it's Houston. That's where all the refineries are, and it is cheap. So whether this is a door of Bucky's, a door of a prison, a door to a cathedral, a door to our home, doors, doors mean something. Doors are very symbolic. What kind of door gets to God? What kind of door is our church? What, what kind of door do, do we project to the world? What kind of door is in our own lives? And there's no secret here to the punchline. It's on your bulletins, open doors. God is an open door. Our church should be an open door. 
Our lives should be an open door. And so to start this series, first question is, what does the door to God look like? What does the door to God look like? For many people, it's that cathedral. For many people, it's this idea that God is big, ominous, powerful, and holy, and the door to get to him is very narrow. It's increasingly narrow, and you've got to open that door somehow by being good, by being obedient, by being religious, by being devout. And if you manage to open that door to God, he may bless your life and may bless you in the afterlife. That's what most people believe about God and the door to God. But Jesus gave a very different impression of the door to God. I'm going to show it to you here in, a, in, a, in about, a, about eight seconds. You're not going to be very impressed. I said eight seconds. Who? <laughs> that's the door to God. According to Jesus, that's the door to God. Now, you might look at that and go, that is unimpressive. Get me back to, to those other, you know, the palaces, right? That's my impression of God, big, majestic, and that door is just so narrow. Jesus says, that's the door to God. And he says this in John chapter 10. He's, he's giving a metaphor. He's giving an illustration of the door to God. And this is what he says. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. So he's talking about a shepherd metaphor and a door metaphor. He says, I am the door of the sheep. And that's why you see that, that rock wall. That is, in the ancient Near East, that's the kind of wall that sheep were kept at at night. I'm the door. All who came before me, these are other religious leaders, they're thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So Jesus starts to give an image of what life is like when we go through him. He is the door. A person is the door to get to God. And what that kind of life might look like and feel like, it's, it's like a pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So Jesus is talking about, about two doors and two kind of lives. He says, there is a door that is, is a door of, of thieves and robbers. Thieves and robbers lead people astray. And, and in the context of Jesus, these are religious leaders that are building their own empires, leading people astray. And he says, that leads to, de to destruction and to use the, the metaphor, a slaughterhouse. He says, I'm the door that leads to God. And I am the shepherd that leads people to God. And in there is life and life abundantly, the good life. And, and, and this is a choice, and it's a pretty serious choice that Jesus is projecting there. He says, if you want to get to God, if you want to know God, if you want a relationship with God, you got to come through me. And if you come through me, you will find peace, you'll find rest, you'll find pasture. Now, if you're an English major, you might be waving a red flag here. Jesus is using mixed metaphors. There's nothing more annoying than mixed metaphors. He says, I'm a shepherd and a door. How can you be both a shepherd and a door in the same metaphor? Well, fortunately, we have a real-world explanation with shepherds that are still shepherding, just like the shepherds in Jesus' time, and you'll see how somebody can be a shepherd and a door without it being a mixed metaphor. So let's take a look. Jesus spoke figuratively about one of these, a sheep pen. So a sheep pen is made up of these stone walls that come together and form a narrow opening. So before evening sets in, the shepherd gets his flock into the protection of a sheep pen, and then he himself serves as the gate to a sheep by sitting or laying in this narrow opening so that nothing can get in and nothing can get out without going through the shepherd.
Bible days and in some parts of the Near and Middle East, um, people are still shepherds and doors. They are both. They bring the sheep in at night and they stand there, they sit there, they lay there, they might even sleep there. They might even, even give their lives, as Jesus said, to protect the sheep. This is not a mixed metaphor. This is somebody who is saying, I am both a shepherd and the gate. And that's what Jesus says in terms of our relationship with him. He is the door. He is the gateway to God. He's the one through whom we walk in order to have a relationship with God that's unbreakable. Jesus is painting a word picture of a whole lifestyle that enjoys an open-door relationship with God, that enjoys an open-door relationship with each other, and that enjoys an open-door lifestyle, a lifestyle that's kind and hospitable. So the door really symbolizes first relationship. The door is really about relationship. So Jesus is defining our relationship with God. In fact, he says at the beginning of this, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. I am the door of the sheep. Well, what is he the door to? He's the door to a relationship with God the Father. He says as much in John 14, 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the only way to have relationship with God the Father. That access can't be earned. That access can't be earned through good works, through religion. That access is not earned because we have our doctrine squared away. The access to God the Father, the creator of the universe, is only through the gate, the door to him, who is Jesus Christ himself. I love Hebrews 4.16. It's one of my favorite passages in all the scripture. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. We will find grace to help us when we need it most. I love that passage because it talks about being boldly before the throne of a gracious God. And that really is, is, is the key. We all have bold access before the throne of God. It's not because we've earned it, not because we're good enough, religious enough, or right enough. It's because we're with Jesus. And through Jesus, he places us boldly before the throne of God. I remember earlier in my faith when I was first trying to figure out who God was and, and first kind of growing up in the faith, I figured I had to earn the right to be before the throne of God. So before I prayed... Um, I would kind of think, have I been a good person? Have I been religious? Have I done the right things in order to earn the right to pray to God? Because if I didn't do the right thing, if I messed up, you know, in some way, uh, I would think I'd be disqualified. God was mad at me. I didn't do the right things. Um, And if I prayed to him, he would just kind of look upon me condemningly. He may not even hear me. And he certainly won't answer any prayers. My thought was that I had to earn my way to the throne room of God. What does this say? This says that Jesus gives us the right to stand boldly before the throne. Not my goodness, not my works, not my religious devotion, but Jesus takes me before the throne room. And as he takes me, this is called in in the Bible propitiation or covering. He covers me with his righteousness and he forgives me and forgives you by the cross and he brings us to God. And he says, this is where you belong, before the throne of God. And we might think, well, I don't deserve to be here. I'm not good, I'm not right, I'm not doing this well. I'm, I'm not the perfect husband, not the perfect wife, I'm not the perfect person. I I don't deserve to stand before God. Jesus says, you do. I brought you here. I've forgiven you here. In God's eyes, you're every bit as much a daughter or a son of God as Jesus is. That's a gift freely given. And because we know Jesus, we know the grace of God. Because we know Jesus, we know that he brought us to God's throne. Not just for prayer, but all day, every day. You're living your life right now. I'm living my life right now before the throne of God. There is nothing that separates us from God. Right here, right now. Whether you're praying or not, whether you're in church or not, it's a state of being. Jesus says your life is now boldly before the throne of God. That's a gift of grace. 
And how do we know that? Because we know Jesus. Jesus is the full expression of God the Father. He's the full nature of God the Father. In fact, Jesus says in John 14, 7, if you know me, you know my Father also. So from now on, you do know him and have seen him. The reason why Jesus is the gate to the Father is because he's the full expression of God and the full nature of God. So if we know Jesus and we do by his word and we do by his spirit, if we've heard from Jesus, which we do by his word, if we know his value, which we do by his word, we know what he values, we know what he loves, we know his mission, we know God the Father because we know Jesus. And so if we know Jesus, he's the gate now to the Father. It's about access, relational access to God. That's why Jesus is called the gate. But it's not just a relational access to God, it's a relational access to each other. You will never find a shepherd with one sheep. If you do, that's a, a very poor shepherd, right? There's a flock. And so that, that gate is not just about relationship with God, but that gate's about relationship with each other, the church. The word church is, is ecclesia, which just simply means the gathering. It's just the hanging out. It's, it's a people who are together. And we're together following Jesus, the good shepherd. That's simply what the church is. And we're in relationship with each other. And we have a common bond of love, a common bond of being loved by God through Jesus Christ, a common bond of walking together, deepening our knowledge of Jesus, deepening our commitment to follow him, deepening our understanding of him and his mission for us and our families and, 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 and for our, our ministry together as a church. It's a wonderful relationship through Jesus, not just to God the Father, but to each other. Relationship with God and relationship with each other. That's what Jesus says in John 17, 21. Get this, it's all about relationship. Jesus is praying for us and he prays that they all may be one just as you father are in me and I in you that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. Pretty clear, it's all about relationship. The prayer of Jesus here is God, as you and I are connected perfectly, I pray that we would be connected to them perfectly and they would be connected to each other perfectly in perfect relationship, in perfect love. That's the vision a oneness of relationship with God and a oneness of relationship with each other, the church, by the love of Jesus Christ. So Jesus being the door is first about relationship. It's also about protection. Sometimes doors are not just about welcoming people in, but closing to protect us. Now in your house, your door is is a door of invitation and relationship, but it's also your first line of defense, right? Uh, You go to bed, hopefully you're locking that door. Um, You park your car, you're locking that door. If you have a safe at home, you're locking the door. The door is sometimes used for protection. And Jesus said that in John 10. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. Jesus knows the threats that are in this world. And there are some serious threats in this world. Um, He talks about thieves and robbers. Now, he's not talking about people who take stuff. Jesus wasn't much interested in in stuff. He wasn't really tied to the material world so much. Um, So when he talks about thieves and robbers, he's talking about people that kind of sap the soul, People who are are putting burdens on other people or using or abusing other people. And he wants them protected. Now, he uses two words, thieves and robbers. And we might think, well, those are synonyms. But he uses two kind of nuances there. The thief is more stealth. The thief is more stealth. This is the cunning and the crafty one. Think about, um, you know, the shady telemarketers or con artists or identity thieves or computer hackers. Think of those kind of shady people. Those are the, um, the thieves that Jesus talks about. The day after Christmas, we received six messages in one hour from Apple Computer. Six messages in one hour from Apple Computer. They all said the same thing. We have detected that your iCloud account uh, may be breached. We need you to call us immediately. That's the day after Christmas. 
Every few years, my kids use Christmas as an opportunity to upgrade their devices. So we end up you know, wiping devices, erasing devices, and selling them, and then uploading new devices. So my first thought was, um, well, you know, it could very well be that Apple's detected that we've erased a lot of stuff, and it could be that that's a sign that our stuff's been stolen and getting ready to be sold. Who knows? So I called. Talked to this nice professional woman, and she says, uh, you don't happen to be in Mexico right now, correct? They're just verifying you're not in Mexico. It's correct, I'm not in Mexico. She says, well, right now, somebody's hacking your account from Mexico. Do you have a computer? Yes, I have a computer. Uh, if you would, log into apple.security.com. And I said, I don't think I'm gonna do that. Well, why aren't you gonna do that? I'm uncomfortable doing that. Well, why are you wasting my time then? <laughs> you think an Apple representative would say, why are you wasting my time then? And I said, well, I'm wasting your time because you're trying to hack into my account, click, right? So it was a fun little phone call. These are the stealthy ones, right? Just after Christmas, people are probably uploading devices and that's when they're calling and every single word was just right to get your attention and make you think there's an actual real threat there. These are the crafty ones, these are the thieves. And Jesus referred to the religious leaders of the time as these thieves, using the name of God to build up their own kingdoms. These are religious leaders who are using the name of God and using the word of God to build whole schools of, of, of religion around themselves. So they would be you know, great personalities and, and they would be great teachers of God's word and, and great manipulators of people. So they would have people around them, call them master, give them money and follow their every word. It was called kind of the yoke, the yoke of certain teachers, the burden of certain teachers. Jesus says, everyone who's come before me is a thief. They're cunning, they're crafty, they're sly. Are there still these religious thieves out there today? What do you think? Absolutely. There are these fake healers and fake prophets and they're everywhere, they're all over the world. Some of them are right here in our valley. I'll give you an example. There was one fake prophet in our valley. He held an event. This is a healing and prophecy event. And people registered for this event and they came, hundreds of people came to this event locally. And, and he starts this thing off by prophesying, God has given me a word. There's somebody here named, and then he'd give a name. And, and this person is dealing with this problem, this health problem, this relationship problem. And people in the audience would be going, wow, this is amazing. This prophet, this spokesperson of God knows my name and, and knows exactly what I'm going through. And, and so they come forward, they get prayed over and, and fake healed and the whole thing, Right? Well, somebody there was very concerned. Somebody at that event was very concerned and did a little research and they found out that people registered for that event using Facebook. So all this guy did, this thief, this con artist, all he did was go to their Facebook accounts, find out about their life and people put their whole lives on Facebook and then had a word from God. All of it was on Facebook. So somebody did the good hard work of exposing this guy and matched up everything he said with specific Facebook posts. And he said, look, every bit of information he got, he got from Facebook. And still people believe this guy. They're still out there. Thieves are still out there. There are people who claim to have God's anointing and manipulate vulnerable people for their own pleasure or their own power. And there's a person in our own valley who falls into this category right now that, that we're collectively dealing with. He's been manipulating people, particularly young, vulnerable people. And one young woman stood up and said, enough is enough and called him out. They're still out there. There's corrupt religious leaders enriching themselves by lying to people, particularly poor people. And, and these religious leaders will, will, will say to people, hey, if you give money to me and my cause, God will give more money back to you. You might have heard this in churches. You might have seen it on the TV, right? 
Money is like a seed. You give money to me and my cause and God will promise to return that money to you fivefold, tenfold, a hundredfold. And I'll give some bogus story about somebody who gave money and got more money in the mail back. It's standard. It's been going on for thousands of years. It was going on at the time of Jesus. It's going on right now. These are thieves that Jesus protected us from and we still need to protect each other from. Then there are the robbers, the robbers. These are more the blunt force folks. These are the ones kicking down the door. Now, this is more the, the political oppressor. And these are the people that Jesus came against also, not just religious oppression, but political oppression. These are the ones who take rights and freedoms away from others for their own benefit. These are the ones that keep people and communities and whole nations in poverty to enrich themselves. Still happens today. So Jesus is, is not only an open door that gives us free access to God relationally by grace, but he says, sometimes I gotta close this thing and I have to stand in the gap and I've gotta protect people, protect this world from religious thieves and political robbers. And this still happens today. Jesus has an open door of relationship, but sometimes he's a closed door of protection. And then finally he offers freedom, an open door of freedom. Jesus said, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And this is a wonderful illustration, a wonderful metaphor of the heart of God for all of us and for the whole world. He wants the world to live in the peace of a pasture. And it's a, a, a metaphor that should, you know, engender some kind of a picture like this one here. Just this peaceful rolling hill pasture. And this is us. Look at you guys. You're so adorable out there. We're just kind of enjoying life, enjoying God, enjoying family, enjoying friends. This is the life that God wants us to envision, a life of peace, a life of rest. I want to be clear. This does not mean that life will go well all the time. God never promises life is going to go well for you. Never. Sometimes life is just a pain in the rear side. It just is. But whether life is going well or whether life is, is a struggle, through all of it, there is this invitation to live in, in a peaceful pasture, an invitation to live in, in a peaceable relationship with God and a peaceable relationship with each other and to live a life that brings peace to the world. This is the vision that God has for us. It's a vision of life where everyone is loved, everyone is free, and everyone has enough. Does that sound familiar to some of you? It's kind of our key phrase at our 50th anniversary in, in September. This is the vision of pasture that God has for us. God wants us all living in this pasture, being loved, being free, and having enough. God's design for us isn't for us to be wealthy and powerful and everything to work out, but God's design for us is to enjoy a relationship with him, that through Jesus Christ, there's a, a relational gate that is unbreakable, a relational bond with God, a relational bond with each other that's sincere and authentic, and not this tidy, buttoned-up religious community, but but real normal people figuring out life and faith together and walking in relationship with each other and celebrating with each other and bearing each other's burdens. But it's also a, a, a pasture of relationship, but it's a pasture that is trying to invite other people to join us, to join this life of rest and to join this life of peace so that this world would be a more peaceful place. This is God's design for us. A peace of knowing we're unconditionally loved a peace of knowing that we're in a community of love and grace and acceptance, and the peace of knowing that we can bring peace to a chaotic world. And this idea of pasture is not new. Jesus didn't introduce it for the first time. In fact, 
the most famous passages in the Bible outside of John 3.16 is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In other words, I'm not here yearning for something else. I'm satisfied where I'm at. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. This is when David was being pursued for death. He was being hunted down for death. And yet he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't want, I'm not yearning for anything else. And he is leading me in pasture and still water. We can be at peace in our soul, even if our world is falling apart. We can enjoy God and enjoy each other, even when our world is falling apart. We can be at peace and we can be at rest. That's what God is about. That's what he wants from us. You see, a lot of us experience a lot of turmoil in life. A lot of us experience a lot of trouble and our soul is stirred up and we're, we're, at, we're, we're not at peace, we're not at rest. We can't describe our life as a life of pasture. But this is the invitation for you. That God is a wide open door and that door is the person of Jesus Christ. We believe in him, believe in his love, believe in his grace, believe that he came to deliver the kingdom of heaven to earth, a kingdom of love. Believe that he died on the cross to atone for the sins of the world. Believe he rose again from the dead to assure us that there is nothing that separates us from God and that there will be a bright future ahead for this world that he loves so much. And to walk through Jesus into belief, but into relationship with God. Walk through Jesus into relationship with each other, a part of a family of faith. Walk through Jesus into pasture, a peaceful place of love and rest, no matter what's going on in life. That's really what freedom is all about. I define freedom as living without constraints in a community of love. Living without constraints in a community of love. Religious environments are rarely free. Religious environments are usually very heavy. Burdens of you have to do this, you have to obey, you have to, have to, have to, have to. The pasture that Jesus offers us is a life without constraints. We are totally free. We are totally free to live in a community of love. We're not free to hurt each other. We're not free to, to, to harm each other. We're not here to lie to each other. We're not free to, 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 to harm each other in any way. We are free to love. There are no rules, no regulations, no expectations, no constraints. The pasture that God offers us is absolute freedom in a community of love where love is the only law. Love is the only law. Enjoying a peaceful relationship with God, a peaceful relationship with each other, and enjoying the mission of bringing peace to a broken world. Over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna detail what it means for this door to be wide open. Today we talked about the door wide open to God. Next week we're gonna talk about a, a, a church that has wide open doors. Um, and that's something that specifically and uniquely, I think, defines Rancho, a church with wide open doors. So we're gonna talk about what that means next week and the implications of that. I wanna encourage you very strongly. Next week is the perfect time to invite people who are perhaps making some New Year's commitments that might better their lives if people are looking for a church community to belong to, but they don't know where to start. Maybe they've been hurt in the past by a church community, by a thief or a, or a robber, right? Um, maybe they, they have this yearning to, to know God and be in a relationship with God and enjoy that. They have no idea where to begin. If they trust you at any level, when you personally invite them to come with you to church next week, they'll probably come. They'll probably come. Uh, and I, I want to encourage you, if you just invite them, invite the world on, on your social media profiles, that, that's probably the safest, easiest way to do it. Just invite them to come. January is a time, unlike any other time of the year, where people come to church for the first time. And Rancho is a perfect on-ramp for those folks. Next week, I'm telling you, our doors will be wide open. If, they come, if people come wounded, wounded even by church, they have a certain 
experience with church or with God, when they come here next week, they will find a place of peace and rest and an open door and an invitation to walk through Jesus into a relationship with God, a community of faith, a family of faith that's loving and accepting, and a mission to advance the cause of Christ to help people that are in need. It's going to be a great week next week. We want to encourage you to come. I'm going to close in prayer. It'll be a simple prayer of faith that walks through Jesus Christ into a relationship with God. Would you pray with me? Our God and Father, we thank you that you are an open door. Despite what most people naturally think, uh, you are, are not behind a, a heavy, narrow door that has to be pried open by our good works, religious devotion, correct doctrine. We don't have to do anything to enjoy a relationship with you. It's a freely given gift by grace through Jesus Christ. So we know you because we know Jesus. We hear from you because we hear from Jesus. We know your values and priorities because we know the values and priorities of Jesus. It's clear in your word. And so we follow him, and we follow him to, to, to boldly enter the throne room of grace. And, and, and while there we see you as you are, a heavenly father that is loving, that is forgiving, that looks at us as your perfect daughters and sons, a heavenly father that wants the best for us, a heavenly father that is not full of vengeance and wrath, but of love, and wants us to walk a journey of faith with an open-door relationship with you, an open-door relationship with each other, to enjoy a community of faith, discovering life together, walking together in good times and in bad, and then have this sense of mission that we could advance the cause of Christ together. We can bring peace and pasture to a world that is so often in chaos and turmoil. So God, during this series, would you allow us to, to enjoy the ride, to walk through the gate of Jesus into faith, to enjoy a community of faith, the church, and to make a difference in this world for the cause of Christ. In his name we pray. And everybody said, amen.